Hi, I'm Ben. Hi, I'm Rob. We've been mates since we met at drama school in 2004. We're both actors, and for the last 10 years we've been working in all sorts of productions, from small fringe shows to big arena tours. We love the theatre, so we thought we would make a podcast to bring you a series of inspiring conversations with interesting people from the world of theatre. So this is our podcast. Welcome to Inside the West End. Inside the West End with Ben Morris and Rob Copeland. Thank you for downloading episode 25 of Inside the West End. Follow us on Twitter at Inside West End. Uh, find our page on Facebook, Inside the West End Podcast. And if you want to get in contact, then email Inside the West End at gmail.com. Coming up, we speak to the wig mistress on Motown the Musical in the West End, Katie Merson. A few months ago, we tweeted asking you guys who you'd like to hear on upcoming episodes, and we were literally inundated by people asking to hear more chats with the people who work behind the scenes on West End shows. So that's how this chat came about. A couple of things before we get into the conversation. I'm now on tour with The Commitments, so I mean, come and see me if we have to be in a town near you. But also, so that you know, we will be releasing the episodes every two weeks going forward. Also, if you do your online shop through Amazon, head to InsideTheWestEnd.com first, click on any of our Amazon adverts on our site. Your shopping will cost you exactly the same as normal, but Amazon will give us a small kickback as a thank you, which helps support us making future shows. And Christmas is coming up. Yeah. So it's a really good way to be that smug person who's already got all their shopping done and it's all delivered. You don't even have to. hate those people. But do become one. I'm <laughs> nev- I, every year I plan to be that person and I never am. So maybe this is the year. Let's do it. InsideTheWestEnd.com and we'll do it. Yeah. So here's the chat with Katie Marson. This is Katie Marson and you're listening to Inside the West End. Katie Marson, welcome to Inside the West End. Hi. So we are backstage at the Shaftesbury Theatre. You've brought us up actually to the very, very top floor as it's the only quiet space here in this vibrant building. And uh, you are the wig mistress on Motown. Yeah, that's right. So you're our first member of the Wigs team to ever come on the podcast. So thank you so much for coming to talk to us. No props. Uh, Before we hear all about your career, we want to take you right back and hear about the young Katie. Well, I was born in a little seaside town called Bridlington, up north. And But I spent most of my life in a little town called Beverly, which is near Hull. Don't judge me. Um, <laughs> yeah, or Hull. Um, and I grew up there with my mum and dad and my brother, who is also theatrical. He was a performer. So that's sort of where the theatre thing came from. Um, but no one else in my family is theatrical, just sort of me and my brother. What do your parents do? Um, my mum used to be, when she worked, she used to be a costing clerk for like a body, um, car body works company. And my dad was in the police force. So you've got one brother? Yeah, just the one brother. He's older? He's eight years older than me, yeah. And um, yeah, he did a lot of performing in the West End. He did loads of like different shows and stuff. And that's where I sort of originally kind of got a bit of an interest because we spent a lot of time going to see shows and things like that. Um, as a child, he was performing in them. Or yeah, he start. Yeah, he started quite young. I think his first production was um, he played Dodger and Oliver at the Hull New Theatre when he was about thirteen. I think 
So, yeah, I've grown up alongside that. So your, your brother was doing these shows. Mm-hmm. What was your earliest memory physically getting involved in theatre? Was it in wigs or did you ever go to dance classes or anything like that? Yes, I did go to dance classes and I absolutely hated it. <laughs> I hated it. I hated it. Why? I don't know. I think... I, I thought I liked the idea of it. My mum was really into it because Mark, my brother, he was into it. And they're like, yeah, you know, little ballerina and all that. And oh, I just, you know, the dance teacher asked me to perform the Teddy Bears Picnic and I was done. I couldn't do it. I was like, not for me. I just went really shy. Yeah, I didn't like it. Didn't like it at all. What about school? What was school like for you? Um, school... I actually, I, I really actually quite like school. It's a bit geeky. <laughs> um, but I did actually really like it. Had lots of really good friends and stuff. Um, and what subjects did you excel at? What were your strongest fields? Right. I probably wasn't the brightest button in the box. Maybe not really <laughs> academic. But I always liked like art. And I, I loved, even though I was terrible at spell- spelling, I loved English literature and language. So, and I did those for my A-levels. And I did theatre studies as well because I was still kind of like thinking maybe I'd like to perform, not dance, but maybe perform. So I did do um, theatre studies. They were sort of like all my favourite subjects, really. Art, no? And I did a bit of art as well. Yeah, I did like art too. Yeah. I would imagine that's that you must be good <clears throat> at art to do um, wigs, no? Well, no, because really wigs is more, uh, it's more kind of like building and styling so you don't necessarily have to be able to draw to have those kind of skills really yeah so let's talk about when you left school what happened what happened next well I did I stayed and did my a-levels first and I was doing a-level geography because I liked coloring in maps and then I realized that um, (laughs) it wasn't about that (laughs) and um, I kept failing all the modules so my mum was like, oh, you know, you're really struggling. I was like, I'm really struggling. I can't stand it. I, I'm going to have to drop it. So my parents were like, fine, you're not happy, drop it. So I dropped geography and I kept the theatre studies going and the English language and literature is like a combined one. And my mum was like, but if you're going to drop it, you need to do something else. And my mum was really amazing, actually, because she was like, right, I've been down the local college and, you know, I think you're really good with like hair and makeup. She was like, and I've enrolled you in a night course doing like beauty and makeup and she was like you know you can do that instead of doing geography so I was like okay I'll give it a go and and then I just went and really really enjoyed it and I was doing that in an evening and then doing my A-levels in the day. So that's the very start of that your training. So, so what yeah, kind of things are you doing? Like we haven't got a clue what training for wigs and makeup entails. What 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 do you I do? mean, well, at the time, I, at, at this point, I still didn't really, I hadn't really thought about wigs at this time. All I was thinking about was fashion and makeup, and I thought, you know, I really want to get into that. And my mum kind of encouraged me with this course. And then when I finished my A-levels, everyone's, like, applying for university, and I'm like, gosh, I'm, I'm really, I, I don't know where to go with it. And because and my brother had been in theatre, I'd always been backstage and you know hanging out a bit and I'd seen wig rooms and stuff like that and he'd gone you know why don't you try and get into that and and then again my good old mum god bless her she was like let's go down the careers centre she took me down the careers centre in Beverly and so I'd said all the things that I liked and I said I like theatre and all that kind of stuff and they came up with a few courses like London College of Fashion 
another one in Scotland and then this other little course at um, Stamford College near Peterborough and it was to do wig making, historical hairstyling and TV and film makeup with special effects and a bit of art and design so quite a lot and, um, and uh, I went to an open day and just thought right I think this might be for me and that was it really and then I had a few interviews and then managed to get on the course because they didn't they only took about I think like 20 students and I was lucky enough to get on it your mom sounds like a legend she really yeah, yeah she was like there going come on you know because you feel the pressure don't you with like your peers and your friends when they're all going to study law and I was like god what am I going to do then because I, I, I just didn't feel that way. I didn't. I didn't want to be a teacher. I didn't want to, you know. And I thought I'm not good at any of that stuff. So. So your mum focused on mom your focused, assets and yeah. And because I did like um, when I was at school, you know, when you've got to do work experience. Um, I applied because I thought, oh, maybe I could go to a theatre, and then I didn't get that work experience. And they went, oh, but you can go to this local hairdressers. And I was like, oh, god, boring. And then I went and I had so much fun with the people that worked there that they then offered me a job. And I used to work there on a Friday evening and all day on a Saturday. So I got another insight into hairdressing there as well. So you're training. What, how long is it for? What well, does it entail? I, I did The course I did in Stanford, it was a full time. It was just a years long course. And I learned to make wigs and facial hair and we did historical hair dressing through the ages you know all the different styles from like the 1900s all the way up to like the 80s and um and it's i just yeah i just loved all that i mean the wig making is quite intense that's quite hard and it, you had to spend a lot of time out of work out of school doing that because you know it's you're knotting one or two hairs at a time into something how many how many hairs are you talking about on, on a standard head of hair or is that a stupid question? Do you know what? It? I, well, it, it, Does it, um, it, it could vary depending on if you want a really thick wig or a thinning looking wig or, mm. you know, depending on what you were doing. So it'd be kind of hard to put a number on that. But, you know, you start at the back with maybe knotting like th- three hairs at a time so you can go thicker. And then as you get to the front to a really fine hairline, you're going to be doing one at a time to make it look realistic. Because if you look really closely at your hairline, obviously it gets finer as you get to the, as you get to the front, and that's what makes it look real on a wig lace. Then Rob and I are now staring at your hair. Oh yeah, oh, there you go. check that out. <laughs> I'm, I'm going quite grey, so maybe not too close. And I'm sitting here feeling paranoid about my receding hairline. Thinking, oh, God. <laughs> She's analysing that now. Oh God. What's what's the hair on the wigs made from? Um, re- I mean, all the the wigs in Motown are real hair. Yeah, so they're all... Human hair. And where's yeah, it from? Yeah, human hair. Yeah, so um, a lot of it will be Asian hair that then might be processed and turned into blonde hair or, you know, dyed or... Yeah, so people actually grow their hair really long and sell it. And it, so that's here on Motown where, where it's a big West End show with a certain budget. When you were training, are there different options in terms of what they use for hair? Um, yeah, you can also... Um, use acrylic hair which is you know like obviously it's like fake hair but I mean these days you can get really good acrylic that actually does look like hair um, so that is that is a cheaper option am I right thinking they use hair. yak hair they use yak hair which is a bit of Tibetan ox good knowledge yeah very good really impressed with that you'd use that for things like beards <laughs> yeah and I, I only know that because I had it in a beard when I was <laughs> yeah. a fiddler on the roof like, what is so like it's quite itchy. tough isn't it yeah it's really coarse and yeah it smells a bit yakky honestly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. when you were training 
did you focus on makeup at all as well? Yes, we yeah we did. Um, I trained in TV and film makeup and special effects as well as uh, as the wigs. Did you excel at that, or was it mainly the wigs that you felt? It was funny because I thought that I was going going to be better at the makeup and really love that element of it because originally when I got the place on the course I was like oh I don't really want to do wig making I mean that's what I said I was like yeah I want to do the hairstyle but I don't want to do wig making and then I did actually end up really loving that because when it came to special effects I didn't do very well at that because the tutor said that I did it all too neat I find it very hard to be like to make it gory and a bit like broken up mine was like some sort of pretty picture <laughs> because I just I just couldn't get my head around it I couldn't go there I couldn't go to that gory place and it just wasn't in scars me scars shouldn't be yeah beautiful. so my scars were like you beautiful. know there's like a nice country picture <laughs> do you have to study images like horrific images when you're doing that special yeah effects, yeah we did we would look at yeah look up images for things like bruising and bleeding and yeah so you can really get it to look because the products that you use do look really realistic so coming towards the end of your training you need to get a job what happens um so when I did the college course to pass it, you had to do a hundred hours of work experience or you wouldn't pass your course, which is a good thing really because it gets you out there and you know you're meeting people all the time and because I was really I was really lucky with my brother being in shows and stuff, he was doing a show um at the English theatre in Germany and he was doing Lacage. So he said, Why don't you come out here and do some work experience? So I went to stay with him in Frankfurt and I did a week's work experience and absolutely loved it. So that was my first taste at like theatrical wigs, you know, in theatre, actually helping and doing stuff. And for your first job to do Lacage, which if you anyone listening to this is unaware, it, it's a story which features a lot of uh, drag performers so yeah. you've got uh, lots of wigs lots of big makeup that yeah. must have been a really exciting oh, piece to get your teeth into yeah I absolutely loved it I mean I was just doing work experience on it so I was just kind of watching and observing yeah. you know they let me do some stuff and I did do one funny thing which was you know it's a lesson learned we had the boys all wear these like they're called can-can wigs and they do like the can-can in these wigs and it's they were all like curly around the edges and then pulled up into like a really tight ponytail and then like looped over and they had a big bow on it and the guy that was head of wigs said to me right your challenge today you're gonna reset this can-can wig and you know make it look really lovely I was like great I'm like really excited got into it like putting the pony in like dressed it all out I was like really pleased with it everyone was going that looks really good and I was like oh my god I've done really well and that was that I never thought anything else of it and then during the show when the boys have to get into these wigs it's really really it's a real quick change and because they're doing big down like huge kicks and splits and stuff they all had like a chin strap on the wig like a bit of elastic because it was such a quick change and this guy was so excited because he knew I'd done his wig and he came running in for his change and they went to put his wig on I'd done the ponytail so tight that the wig perched on his head like a tiny hat and he could barely pull the chin strap underneath it and all his own ginger hair came out at the sides and but there was nothing we could do and he went on like that with the chin strap like crushing his face and everyone was just crying with laughter and he could barely hold it on and I was mortified so I was mortified I mean you must have seen so many people go through that 
type of thing over the years with different wiggies that yeah. you've you've brought into the building. And yeah, stuff. yeah, yeah. What makes a good wiggy? Um, am I, I using? Is that the right term? Wiggy. Yeah, or? yeah, yeah. Definitely. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's what we don't you know, say. Wiggy. What I, what's the yeah, official I, I, term? I mean, well, you. Well, like a wig assistant, or but I would I'd I'd refer to it as wiggy as well. So. It sounds I think like that's the sort nice. of word which may be offensive if you're the person who does it. Like, I know why you yeah. asked that. Like, yeah. Yeah. And I actually quite like, I mean, I'm not offended, but I actually quite like it. I would say if someone said, well, if someone in the theatre world said to me, what do you do? I would say I'm a wiggy. But if it was maybe the car insurance, <laughs> I'd say yeah. wig stylist. Yeah. yeah. I go wig stylist and they go, what's that? And then I go, oh, hairdresser. And then just leave it at that. Yeah. You know, so. <laughs> Chief executive of fake hair. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, you do. You have to make stuff up like that for the insurance. So what, ma- tell anyone. <laughs> what makes a good one then? Um, I think you have to be, you have to be really hardworking because it is it is long hours and it's not maybe as glamorous as people may think because it's hard and it's you know you're hot you've got the wig of an aunt you're running around everything's quick you do everything at speed you know I'm sure you guys know that it's always done at speed or. Um, and I think you have to have, I think you have to have good people skills to look after people as well. Um, yeah, and obviously have a real love for hair as well. You know, I think that that's important. Do you love hair? <laughs> I do. And it's funny because I never thought I would. And I do. I really do. I love it. You know, you don't have to speak to them. You know, you, it's written. If you go wrong, it's not a big deal. You can brush it out and do it again. And no one's going to go, oh, that looks awful. What have you done to my hair? You know, so you get a second chance with wigs. You know, in the yeah. day, if you think you've done something dodgy, you can go back to it and redo it. Whereas if it was someone's real hair, you might not have time to... So you say, obviously, it's, it's a lot of hard work. Yeah, it's, re- yeah it's, it's hard, especially the show that I'm on now here at Motown. I mean, we've got 125 wigs per show, and that and it's a lot. And so, so talk us through your day working here. From get, What time do you get into work, and what happens? How does your day run? Okay, well, um, we vary it. We sort of do all different kind of shifts. Um, like today, um, one of us have, comes in at like 10 o'clock in the morning, and starts setting or washing any of the wigs that need washing. So you would do that first to get it out of the way because they need to dry. Um, It really depends on how sweaty the actor or actress is. I mean, if they're they're getting really sweaty, then you don't want the wig to smell or, or anything like that. So you'd maybe do it once a week. But you could probably, maybe once every two weeks, I would say. Because like, I'm sure you know yourselves, when you get your hair done, you always prefer it a couple of days later. And it's the same with wigs. You wash the wig, everyone goes, oh, what's happened to my wig? And then two days later, I love my wig. You know, it's like, so it's the same as it is with your own hair. So once they're washed, then what? what? So once they're washed, they might be set in rollers. So to give them some sort of curl, because we've got lots of different styles here, ranging from... Um, the 1930s right up to 1980s so we've got lots of different period styles in this show Um, yeah so they all get set and dressed and um, like all the afros get oiled and picked out and shaped Um, and then later on in the day when everything's dried then we'll put them into their styles and then after that then our show people come in and they unblock everything so they take all the wigs off the blocks they get preset into baskets very neatly and then because there's so many to carry down that it would take someone hours just to run up and down the stairs if we took them down on the the blocks on the heads so when you um, say blocks they're like this 
fake kind of head. Yeah, it's like it, so if you imagine it's like like a canvas shape head that goes that can go be put on a stand and it emulates a head and then the wig goes on the head. And you mentioned earlier on uh, the oven. The they wig go, oven, they go in the yeah. oven. So uh, what's that? Explain that. Um, the wig oven is... Where you bake the wigs. Yes, yes, it's true. <laughs> yeah. we, that is exactly what we do. That is where we bake the wigs. Um, yeah, so it's a big kind of hot box shape and it's got glass doors and shelves in it. It's got different temperature settings, obviously not as hot as an actual cooking oven but it does <laughs> get it four. does get yeah yeah <laughs> pop it on gas mat for 10 minutes would be all right um but and then we put them in there and might take any depending on how thick the wig is anything up from an hour to maybe two hours to dry in the oven do actors ever take advantage of that and ask to dry other things in the hot box um no but we sometimes have put pasties in there and um, mince pies at christmas <laughs> and that does heat them up really well <laughs> so going on from that then once the um you said the sh- the the people from your department who are going to be on the show that night they yep. arrive they grab their baskets they start delivering yep. the wigs around the yeah the, the theatre yep so then what happens yeah so they'll understage we have a really large preset so for all the changes all the wigs have to be put in all the correct positions and places for all the quick changes that are going to take place that evening. Um, and also we have facial hair as well, which for quick changes we use um, toupee tape, you know, double-sided tape, which will be put cut to shape of like a moustache or a beard and then we place it on there. And then that gets put on a board with the person's name. So when that quick change comes up, you can grab the right moustache and peel the tape and stick it on them, and then off they go. Do they ever come off? Yeah, yeah, they do. <laughs> I'm asking yeah, you that we've had a, I've been the victim. Yeah, of we've so had a few uh, flappy tashes, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> so is, is there another option instead of using tape? Yeah, you can. we use um, two different glues here. We use um, the good old-fashioned spirit gum, which I'm sure you've probably both had on your faces before. Oh, Most times. people are like, Eight. no, not glue. Eight. I mean, people would do anything to avoid the glue if they can. But if you're really sweaty, then there's no other option. But we do use another glue, which is a little bit less harsh, I would say. Um, it's more sort of silicone based. So once it, it, it adheres to you really easily, to your skin, but then it's not as bad if you want to peel it off in a quick change, where the spirit gum dries solid. And if you try it, you would need to use a remover to get that off, where with the silicone based one, you can peel off them. Do you ever have actors who just are allergic to all the options or you have to struggle yeah yeah. and then what happens i mean there's i mean you normally find something you normally find something they could use like um elastic yeah like yeah i mean don't laugh because our beards do have i mean maybe it's top secret i don't know but because of quick changes we do have like a see it's like a see-through the only way i can describe it it's like bra strap but it's see-through. You know, girls will know what I'm saying when I mean like a see-through bra strap elastic. And we do have that sewn on the edges of our beards, which goes over their heads. Jay Bryce has got one. You heard it here first. <laughs> um, and, um, and then it goes over the head and then the wig goes over the top. So you would never know that there's any elastic on there. And then they don't actually have to have it glued. What about during the show itself then? What, what, what is your department doing? We are running around like crazy people. How many people would you have backstage in your department? Um, it takes six people to run the show. 
and I've got eight people in total. So six of us do all the changes. And how quick is a wig put on? Like, I, I, when people, it's the sort of thing you imagine the tyres being changed in a Formula One car. Like uh, it's that speedy. Some changes do actually become like that. It's because it's like, I would, I always say that backstage is like a whole other choreographed show. I mean, you're doing a dance as well. I mean, there might be three or four of you on one person and they're just stood in the middle and you have to do your same routine. Otherwise, you might fall over the back of somebody or trip up or stab someone in the head if you're not doing that same choreography. So I would say it's another dance backstage as well. And you're six people to run the show backstage. Mm -hmm. Would they all know all... Sorry, you're eight different members of staff would they all know all six plots or are they kind of set into one and that's kind of it um well i a few of us me and another girl in the department we know like three or four each and then other people in the department maybe know two or three so we try and sort of swap it around because obviously if someone's sick then you have to be able to do everything really so but because we're all really familiar with the show now any one of us, I think, could step in with a set of notes and just go for it, you know. And how much of the wigs do the actors do themselves? How much, of, or is it always put on by somebody from your department? Um, yeah, I, I mean, here I don't think anybody does their own. I don't think anyone does their own wig here. We, we do all of them. Yeah, we do everyone's wig. I mean, sometimes on a show, you might not have a choice because you physically cannot get to them. And it, and if your um, performer or actor is capable, then I would allow them to put it on themselves if I thought they were able to do it to a good standard, you know. Hope you're enjoying the conversation. We'll be back to the chat in a minute. Just a reminder that another way you can support the podcast is by visiting insidethewestend.com clicking on the donate button and throwing us a few quid for all these episodes you are getting for free. Also, please subscribe to the podcast. We release a new episode every other week, as we said earlier. Uh, And if you subscribe, it just means that it will automatically appear on your device for free. Now back to the chat with Katie Marson. When you're working in this very close proximity with actors, uh, when they're sprinting on and off of stage, yeah. uh, they've gone from high energy to standing in a dark wing with a team of four people like yeah. changing their tyres on the car, that kind of image. Yeah. Um, have you ever had to deal with any big personalities or um, interesting characters in that situation? And how do you cope with it? For instance, I know you've worked one-on-one with Rowan Atkinson. Yeah. Is there any form of intimidation when you're working, changing wigs or doing makeup with someone like that? Or are they just the same as everyone else, member of the company? I mean, I've got to say, I was extremely nervous because when I took on the job, I didn't actually know that I was going to be doing that. It was kind of just a last-minute decision. The supervisor went, oh, Katie, I know you can do that. And I was like, what? okay and I was so nervous I was like literally nearly sick before the first time that I did it because I thought he's such a big star oh my god and I don't know what to say am I going to be all right I was I was absolutely terrified but he is wonderful he is really uh, such a gentleman he's a lovely man yeah he and I, I really enjoyed looking after him but once I got over it, you've got to pretend that you're already over it when you go in there. So you've got to be like, ah, this is fine. I know what I'm doing. But how do you, you know? cope with the flip side of that then? Because I'm, I, you don't need to name names, but you must sometimes 
have to do like in any job deal with difficult characters how do you cope with that um normally i'm i'd like to think that i'm i'm quite a calm person in situations on the outside so i might be you know having a freak out on the inside but i i think i'm quite good at putting out the this is fine it's all going to be okay like if a wig has got stuck and my performer is freaking out i just stay still i don't speak i go slowly because i know if i freak out then i'm never going to get it off and then i just get it off and then it's all fine when really i'm really panicking but i try and if the situation's really difficult and if someone's been difficult i just try to absorb it for that moment and just deal with what's happening really calmly and then if i need to go further and address it further i would then do it afterwards Mm -hmm. I would never do it in the moment during the show because people can react differently for lots of different reasons and I think to jump on someone is maybe not a good idea. Good life advice there, I think. Yeah, very good. Yeah. Let's talk about when you work on a new production. Yeah. Where does your involvement start? As a, would you be brought in as a wig designer or is there a designer who brings you in to be the wig mistress? Yeah, and um, what normally happens is I would get my job through um, the wig supervisor who was going to be making the wigs and designing the wigs for the show. And then they get me on board to maybe help with fittings in the beginning so that I get familiar with what the show's about. Um, But really my job is to maintain what they give me to look after, basically. You know, I've got to keep the period of the show and their style throughout the whole year or however long the production goes on for. And do you get, is there, are there moments during the contract where uh, that's checked up on? Like as in actors have a resident director yes, who yeah. notes things. Do you have that? Yeah, our supervisor will maybe come in like every f- few months and they'll watch the show. And like a director does, they will note you and then they'll come back after the show and just say, you know, maybe that's got too curly, hang on, you know, hold on the back comb, you've gone too big, or, you know, little things like that. And it's good to have that kind of feedback because like anything, it start, and I'm sure it's the same with performing, you start evolving things and you don't even know you're doing it. And when lots of different people are doing it as well, no one can do the one same thing, you know, so things do progress into something else. You're currently working in a theatre on a musical. Do you have a preference on the style, genre, type of production that you're working on? Um, not, no, not really. I mean, I've been really lucky because I've been fortunate enough to work on lots of different um, types of musicals um, diff- with different period hairstyling. So I feel like I've had a re- my real good fill of that. So I do feel lucky that I've had loads of variety over the years, so I feel very lucky to have done that. And have you worked in TV and film as well, or have you focused on theatre? I've just... I've always, I've, I've done a, a couple of days on a children's TV programme years, years ago, but that was it. I've just sort of always stuck to theatre because I just got into it, and then I just loved it, and I really enjoyed it, and I've never left since, and here I am. <laughs> is, is that an ambition you have, or do you, you want to stay in theatre? I'd never say never. I'd if I got the opportunity, I'd definitely like to try it. Yeah, definitely. You sound like you've had a very successful career as as somebody who who 
aspired to work in the departments that you do and yeah. you're doing it one of the things our listeners love hearing about is the times when it wasn't going so well and when you had to power through have you had difficult times in your career um i mean i've been i've been super super fortunate because it in the wig world it's kind of more like you get a bit of a reputation and then you kind of go by word of mouth you know obviously like when you're performing you have to audition and stuff but like with the wig world once you kind of get in the little circuit you know people will just go or maybe do you just want to come and help out on this and I've been really lucky with the supervisors that I've worked with they've been very loyal to me and I've been able to they've taken me on all the different jobs they've done so I've been so so lucky and I'm really grateful for that because I haven't really had a point when I've gone I mean I've I've had a panic when I've thought oh I haven't got a job oh my god and then like two weeks later someone's gone can you do this and can you help us on this and we need cover on this and someone's gone sick and then before you know it you've booked your diary up and you're like whoa so I've always been really really lucky you know through friends helping me out getting me jobs or recommending me so I've been extremely lucky in that case but do you think that's luck or I think you're doing yourself a a disservice by saying that because having met you today you're a very personable person I can imagine some people like working with so that must as you said earlier have gone a long way with that maybe I don't know Um, before I make yourself talk in a positive way about yourself which no one wants to do um, we have a question that we ask everybody yeah sure and um, we are particularly interested in asking people this who aren't performers okay having observed the industry from a different point of view do you think that show business is a game that you need to learn how to play oh oh it's a tricky one because (laughs) <laughs> oh, I don't know if I like to think of it as a game, but I, I do think you have to learn the etiquette. I do think you have to know what to do. I mean, you talked about it It goes on reputation as well, you know, particularly yeah. your side of things. I mean, I've got a rule. My rule is I always say what's said and what happens in the wig room stays in the wig room. And I also say that if when I go in people's dressing rooms, what happens in the dressing room stays in the dressing room. I walk out, I forget. And that's my, they're my rules. But I do think there is a, a theatre etiquette to follow. What I is that I think there etiquette? is rules. I mean, I don't like, um, I don't let anyone take mobiles downstairs, you know, because I think we're here to, we're concentrating, we should be working, not on the mobiles. So we don't, we don't do mobiles in the wig room. Um, yeah. Are you talking about actors as well? Or are you just talking about your team? No, I'm talking about my team, yeah. I mean, some people will do it, but I, I, to me, I don't think that's right. I think you should be concentrating on the show, and I sound a bit sad, don't I? <laughs> I think um, that a lot of listeners would be surprised to hear that performers and other team members do sometimes sit in Wardrobe Village downstairs in the wings with a, with a mobile phone b- yeah. between scenes when they've been doing it for a long time. And they Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it, and it does, and it absolutely does happen. But, like, me and, like, my team here, we all agree, we all feel the same way. Because you are, you are busy downstairs and if you missed a cue and someone said to you, why did you miss that cue? And you went, oh, I was just doing my status on Facebook. I mean, that would be like terrible. Yeah. And I couldn't even back anyone up on that. What could I say? I couldn't even stick up for them. So we all agreed in the beginning that, you know, we wouldn't take our phones anywhere with us when we're working and doing the show. So essentially, 
the game is be professional yeah I guess yeah I, I guess it is really and it's just and I think as well and it's and it's treating everyone with respect and all departments because it is one big machine and it's a big team and everyone's working hard together whether you're on stage off stage front of house and I think we should all respect each other's job and that's why and it works so well here I mean it's a crazy crazy busy show I wish I could take you down to watch and the only reason it works backstage is because everyone respects each other works really hard and helps each other out as well you know we have one question that we were <laughs> 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 just, just fell asleep literally yeah. in the middle of the question <laughs> 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 To finish off, yeah. we always ask the same question, and that is, yeah, and that is, uh, what is the one piece of advice that you would give to anyone who wants to work inside the West End? I would say do as much work experience as you can, because de- oh, definitely go and train and do courses in wigs and makeup. But you get your real experience, and you really learn your craft once you get on the job and so you need to do loads of work experience because it's so different when you leave college how do people get work experience if they don't have a brother who you know yeah uh, an insider what's the normal uh, route well um you need to send your cv out and and a really really good a really good cover letter because i i love a good cover letter i love a personable cover letter and that is how you get in with me because if I think someone's taken the time and really, really wants to do this industry and they've sent me a letter that is really personable and I feel like they really want to do it, then I would definitely think about taking them on for a couple of days' work experience. What's a bad cover letter? <laughs> it's where a bad cover letter is, and it can't always be helped, but is when I always think is when someone doesn't um, take the time to find out your name that is one dear sir or madam yeah and then you know that they've not taken much time over this and they've just printed off a load of general letters with no names on oh you're going to be inundated after this I know maybe maybe cut that (laughs) (laughs) everyone's going to want work experience yeah yeah. Yeah. people who don't even like oh that nice lady people who can't even spell wig yeah A massive thank you to Katie for chatting to us about her life and about working in wig departments on shows. We interviewed Katie because you asked us to. So if there's anyone else in the world of theatre that you would like us to speak to, please tweet us. We had a tweet the other day asking us if we could try and get hold of Rachel Tucker. We're currently trying to sort that one out for a listener. Um, we had someone asking for a theatre critic, which we've already sorted. That one's coming up soon. Uh, so please do message us. We do listen to you. Folks, thanks so much for supporting our show. We love that you listen every week. We absolutely love it. Thank you for that support. If you want to support us financially, do the Amazon thing, do the donate button thing. You know how to do that. Happy days. Um, Check out our Twitter at Inside West End to find out who's on next week's show. In the meantime, thanks for listening.